Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The party balloons that say 2018 on them have officially lost their helium. The balloons have descended from the ceiling to the floor, and we can now declare the patient expired as of the morning of September 9th. It's not completely official, but come on. Uh, I'll tell you in a bit how August 4th, was the real expiration date of this 2019 season, Roger Clemens' birthday, no less. But now we can at least all be cool with the knowledge, accepting of the knowledge. There will be no back-to-back Red Sox glory. And hey, at least the Sox outscored the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night. Let's crank it up. This, ladies and germs, is Sox Daily. It's your daily Sox podcast. It's your daily Sox podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. So we've talked about how the Red Sox have gone from needing the other teams to stumble to needing them to crumble. Uh, the Sox have essentially won six or seven out of every ten games for a few weeks now, but so have the teams they're chasing. It's like they're riding one of those stationary Peloton bikes. They're pedaling really, really hard. They might feel like they're accomplishing something, sweating all over their linoleum, but they're not actually going anywhere. Josh Lewin with you. We're going to go to some strange and wonderful places here. we got about a 20-minute podcast to kick out, so let's do it. And I will go back and tell you that I think August 4th is kind of the date to circle when it all really started to, to leak. Uh, the Red Sox lost eight straight between July 28th and that August 4th date. And they dropped six games in the wild card standings. That's when David Price allowed the seven earned and two and two thirds against the Yankees. And the day before is when Chris Sale had allowed eight earned and three and two thirds. If you look back, that's really when it all kind of came to an end. We didn't want to see it. Because back then the Red Sox were tied with the A's for that second wild card spot. They were tied when play began on July 28th. And all of a sudden, they would trail by six on August 4th. And, you know, the Red Sox have won, what, uh, 17 of 29 since then. That's a 602 winning percentage. Okay. But it's just not going to be enough because Tampa Bay won't slow down. Cleveland won't slow down. And Oakland, for whatever weird reason, is also not slowing down. So a uh, three game series is about to become a four with the Yankees. This is one of those wraparound series. And not a single one-run game has been played between the Yankees and Red Sox this year. No close games. That's never happened. This series dates back to 1903. There's always been at least one, one to nothing, or five to four, or twelve to eleven, or something. Twelve to eleven is how they're winning games a lot this year. Because let's face it, the starting rotation was a big failure. They invested 88 million in that. They had re-signed Nathan Evaldi. They had extended Chris Sale. A lot of other teams were focusing on their bullpens, and the Red Sox decided, you know what, we're, we're old-schooling it. We're, we're going to put our chips down on the table on the starters. And to make sure those starters will be in 
top of the order, top shelf form for the stretch run. We're going to not pitch him at all in spring training. That was the plan. And maybe it all started there. But here we went into what you thought was going to be a huge September series. Uh, The Red Sox, uh, on Friday anyway, I mean, they, they shut the Yankees right down. And it gave you a little bit of hope. They used seven pitchers in that game, none of whom were on the opening day roster. There was two rookie lefties, a couple minor league journeymen, a one-time 14th round pick, a couple veteran starters trying to prove themselves before they get to be free agents. That's what Friday was, and that was actually the one good game. Friday night, it was Julius Chassin returning to the majors, a uh, somewhat desperate pitcher for a desperate team. And uh, the Sox actually got a nice little lift. They got a whiff of Chassin as he pitched a couple of perfect innings, And then when he went in for his handshake, he fell right on his butt. Uh, It's not an easy dugout to navigate. It can be a little slippery. But uh, two perfect innings, a six-to-one win. And, you know, this is a guy that had not faced live hitters, not in a game, actual game situation, in more than six weeks. So when uh, DJ LeMahieu stepped in in the first inning and it was an immediate ground out to short, it was kind of like, okay, you know, maybe this guy's got a little something. Chassin got past Judge and Gregorius and Sanchez and Encarnacion and Glaber Torres, and Alex Cora didn't want to tempt fate. Two innings was enough after six weeks off. So six other pitchers coming in, and if you add it all up, the Yankees had three hits, 13 strikeouts, and three of the pitchers that got in, Chassin, Ryan Weber, Bobby Pointer, those were September call-up guys. You know, Chassin was a guy that had returned to his home in Arizona after the Brewers released him. Met with the Sox in Anaheim last week, threw in the bullpen at Angel Stadium, and voila, he's been in the majors for 11 years, 222 starts, and here he is in this weird kind of purgatory here. But, you know, who knows what they've got with Chassis. Maybe he's a guy worth keeping around and, and seeing what's what. 13-10 and 10 for the Padres two years ago, then he got a two-year, $15 million deal with the Brewers, went 15-8 and eight for him last year. They gave him the opening day start this year. And then he just didn't have his fastball, never really recovered it, and the Brewers released him at the end of July. So he's meeting his new teammates. The Red Sox are now his seventh team overall. And this was a game, by the way, where everybody pitched well for a while. There were no hits at all until two outs in the fourth. But uh, it was the bottom of the fourth when the scoring got going. Rafael Devers, his 49th double of the year. That was to left center off Domingo Herman, who took the loss. He's now 17-4. and four. Benintendi walked, Brock Holt ripping a single, and uh, Devers would come in to score. The birthday boy, Mitch Moreland, comes up, three-run homer to pretty much put it away. Moreland's first homer since August 9th, 15th of the season. This has not been a delightful year for Mitchie Twobags in any way, another potential free agent here. But that's uh, eight players now on the Red Sox with at least 15 home runs. They've never done that before. You guys want to hear from Mitchie? He talked to the guys in the booth after the game. Well, Mitch, congratulations and happy birthday. You really found a great way to celebrate huh? with a free run homer and three hits. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it usually doesn't go that way on my birthday, it seems like. So, uh, you know, I'll definitely uh, take, a, take a change there. Have you had one close to this before on your birthday? Uh I'm starting to build them up, so I can't remember all of them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not a, I think that's about my best one. <clears throat> Hey, Mitch, when you, when you look at uh, what the standings say, and obviously it's going to be a long road ahead, but it's still possible. But beyond that, as a professional, you guys want to finish up as strong as possible. I know you personally want to do that as well. How important is this uh, last three weeks for you? I mean, it's super important. Um, 
I mean, this is what we work all year for. Obviously, uh, we want to be in a better situation, but uh, this is what we got. So we've got to make the most of it. We've got to keep uh, keep playing good baseball. You know, I feel like here lately we've played some pretty good baseball. And, uh, you know, if we continue to do that, um, you know, we can – we can hold our heads high no matter what happens at the end of the at the end of the year. You know, we're uh, there's a, it's a bunch of fighters in there, and, and we've shown it. You know, this year, uh, kind of had some adversity and and, and continue to battle and, and fight and try to find ways. Well, you've overcome some adversity too because you had the good start with 13 homers, uh, and 12 of them through May 21st, and then you went on the IL twice. It, that's a tough thing to come back from, isn't it? To get your timing back, it, it definitely is. You know. Um, not trying to make excuses or anything, you know, but uh, anytime you start fighting, fighting nagging stuff and uh, dealing with your legs and, and stuff like that, it it can be tough. Um, you know, uh, I've uh, kind of been in and out a little bit uh, as far as feeling it, but, uh, you know, obviously it's, it is what it is. got to continue to work through it and, and find ways to make it happen. Mitch, what are some of the things that you do do to try and find your way to work through it? I mean, what are some of the things you do behind the scenes that maybe fans don't see to try and get yourself ready to play every night? <laughs> yeah, it seems like my um, activation and uh, <laughs> and the stuff I've got to do before the game, it's, uh, it's getting longer and longer. You know, I'm about, <laughs> the first, about the first one to the yard every day and, you know, spend a little time on the training, training table and uh, – you know, go up to the weight room, try to activate. And, uh, you know, I didn't do that today, so maybe I'll quit doing it. Uh, it seemed, it seemed like it worked pretty good. So, Well, you need no, the but, break in your birthday. Yeah, I needed the break. That's what it was. <laughs> How about the bullpen tonight? There's a bullpen game, and uh, it worked. Everybody worked. Absolutely. Outstanding job by those guys. Obviously, with uh, Chasin leading it off, you know, he did a great job, kind of set the tone for us, able to, you know, throw some zeros up there and uh, – you know, the guys that followed behind him, I think it was JT, then uh, Waldo. I, I can't – I'm not even going to attempt to try that. But uh, There were yeah, seven. It was, yeah, it was, it was impressive, uh, impressive showing by those guys. They, they did, a, did a great job all night and, you know, kept us, kept us uh, comfortable and able to keep scoring runs. Well, Mitch, congratulations. Many happy returns. A lot to celebrate. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. <laughs> okay. All right. For Mitch Moreland, 34 years young today with a three-run homer and three hits. All right, thanks to Mitch Moreland, and indeed, happy birthday. They uh, they beat the 17-game winner, Domingo Herman, 49th double of the year for both Bogarts and Devers. So at this point on Friday night, we're going to let you hear from Alex Cora because there was a flicker at this point. I mean, now we're talking about a, about a 6% playoff chance with the win on Friday. That would quickly deteriorate to 3% and 1% by the end of the weekend. But uh, for now, here's happy Alex Cora. Doesn't pitch in a while. He did a good job. Put us in a good spot, and we move forward. How much do you think what he did there in the first two innings kind of set the tone for what followed? He did an outstanding job moving the ball around. Uh, fastball command was good. Slider was good. It's a different look. You know, it's not north-south. It's just, you know, east-west and expanding. And, uh, you know, he's done it before. I mean, he's pitching big games, and, you know, he was an opening-day starter. So, you know, he, he's an accomplished big leaguer, and he, he set the tempo right away. Um, the seven guys you used were not on the opening day roster, so I guess if you looked at this box score in spring training, what, you, what would you have thought? Uh, that, you know, like I said, in spring training, you know, it takes more than the guys that you take uh, in the opening day to, to win a World Series. We proved it last year. You know, I think it was, what, 27? Uh, we got 21 here, so um, that's the way it works. You know, um, you look around the league, and somebody has to contribute, and honestly, they've done an outstanding job. Um, throughout the last month and a half. 
Um, we did it in Anaheim, and you know, we did it today, and you know, we plan on going tomorrow and do the same thing. Alex, is there a point when you get towards the end of seven guys where you stop and think, "Wow, this has gone almost as perfectly as could have planned"? It's an uncomfortable game. It is, you know, for hitters. You know, um, you see four different pitchers. And uh, it's not that the game is going to go this way, but like I said four days ago, I'm not going to apologize for having 21 pitches here. The rules are the rules, and we're going to go that way, you know. It's two spots that we don't have, and we try to maximize our matchups and, and put the team in a position to win games. Do you think in a bullpen game like this that there's a certain amount of momentum that gets transferred sort of every time the baton gets handed off, like somebody goes out and has a shutdown inning and the next guy sort of feeds on the, off that and then it just continues? Um, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but we talked to them two days ago. And whenever you pitch, it's not about setting up guys or try to trick guys. You know, it's your strength against them. And it's actually a sprint, you know, three, four guys and we move forward. So... I mean, they, they they were great. They were good, and just happened to be that we had a, a big lead, and we extended Weber, Weber uh, for six outs and put us in a great spot. Alex, how, how difficult is it to just to kind of manage all those moving parts and where you constantly have to make I mean, you trust Dana and, and you know, his, his preparation. Uh, obviously, I, I got an idea, you know, what, what matches up with them, but Dana... Is the one that is working with these guys. He's the one that gets here at 11 o'clock and watches swings and videos and, and tendencies and all that. And he puts it together with our information, you know, uh, a group that sends the information, and then he, he puts a game plan. Oh. Yeah, as you said, the rules are the rules. So next year the rules will be changing. Is that disappointing to you that they're going to not allow teams to do this sort of thing? Um, no, not really. I, I mean, I... I you know, we we just in a position right now we have to do this. We know it's going to change next year. We were actually talking about it in the eighth inning. You know, but um, right now this is the way we have to go. Um, and you know, we got guys that can get people out. We just have to make sure we, we find the right matchup for them to, to go attack guys. Do you know you're going to start off with tomorrow? Leggings. Alex, obviously right now you just have a, a ton of options down there, but have you felt like this season there's been a lot of interchangeable parts in the bullpen? I mean, beyond Workman and Barnes who kind of settled into roles, do you always feel like you're deciding between two or three guys who you could justifiably use in a certain spot? As far as, like, uh, matchups and all that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we said it going into the season that we, we were pleased with who we had and, 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 and the guys available. Like, it just happened that... We run, we run into a spot that we have to run them every day. And then you, saw, you see the numbers. Early in the season, they were good. And then in between Boston, London, and somewhere else, you know, they struggle. But uh, they've been really good throughout the last, what, two months? And uh, we expect them to go out there and perform. And then you saw it today. It was a different look, you know, sinkers and fastballs up with Pointer and the fastball by Darwinson and Cash, obviously, you know, he's been better in the bullpen, and, and Waldy has been amazing. And uh, it's just, you know, the stuff that we have is pretty good. It just, they, they don't have the time. You know, you start looking around the league, and it's like one year of service, two years of service. You know, we don't have a veteran out there, and I think that's the difference. Uh, Alex, 
this isn't to suggest that the rest of your lineup hasn't been good because they have, but how much have you missed performances like what Mitch gave you tonight? Uh, Mitch has been good against righties since he came back up of the DL. He just hasn't been able to hit the ball in the air. It just happened that he just turned, what, 33, 34? So he, he feels younger, and, and he was able to hit that, that ball in, in the air, and he beat the shift for the first time as a 34-year-old first baseman, and then he beat the ship again. He hasn't done that the whole season, but he, he gives you quality at bats. And uh, obviously we miss him for a while, but I think I guess righties, you know, the last month and a half, he's been pretty solid. He's been getting on base. Uh, he's taking his walks. and uh, it's, it's good to see him hit, a, hit the ball in there. We're good. Thank you. All right, that is the manager. And some more good news from Friday. I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but the Lowell Spinners, had a walk-off win. They eliminated those hated Batavia Muck Dogs to advance to the New York Penley Championship Series. And they're down one nothing in that, by the way, as we speak, to Brooklyn. But uh, a, a kid named Yusniel Padron Artiles got into that spinner's game on, on Friday in the top of the fourth inning as a piggyback starter behind the very highly touted Jay Groom. Everybody was there to see Groom. Uh, and as it turns out... This kid with the hyphen, 22nd round selection just a, a year ago, delivers this historic performance. 12 consecutive batters struck out as Lowell won that game 2-1. to one. Just an unheralded pitcher uh, you know, came in with a slider and learned how to mix that with his fastball a little bit. And as they kind of taught him how to pitch, I mean, the stuff is decent but not great. It, it's a nice story of development in the minor league system. And I'm going to tell you about some more guys in the minor league system later in this podcast just to cheer you up. But that, that was a good one. Uh, right before the, the weekend actually hit officially, Padron Artiles, 12 strikeouts in a row. Never been done in organized minor league baseball until then. So congrats. All right. Speaking of minor leaguers, Saturday, Travis Lakins had come up. He became the 14th starter the Red Sox have used this year. It's the most since 06. I looked it up. Beckett, Schilling, Wakefield, Lester, Matt Clement. Uh, those first two made all their starts. They won 16 and 15 games, respectively. But with injuries to those other three that I mentioned, you had Julian Tavares, Manny's BFF. You had a 43-year-old David Wells. You had Kyle Snyder, Lenny DiNardo, Jason Johnson, Kaysen Gabbard, the lefty, Kevin Jarvis, David Pauley, and two starts down the stretch from Devon Hansack. That team would finish 86 and 76. That's probably about where the Red Sox are going to end up this year, too. I'm still hoping something like 89 and 73, but uh, I would think 86 is probably about right. So uh, as of Saturday, the Red Sox, with 26 games now, where their starters have gone three innings or less than that, somehow they're 13 and 13 in those games. But consider that last year it was 13 all year, where a starter only went three or less than that. And it's 26 now. So it just kind of shows you what you're, you're talking about here. The Oakland A's, by the way, uh, they get short starts. A lot of times it's the Tampa Bay model. You know, you're, you're doing that on purpose. But their bullpen arms have been really very good. What the Red Sox are doing with bullpen arms now is, is kind of unprecedented. I mean, there, there are 22 pitchers in the, uh, in the organization on the 40-man roster, and 21 of them now, 21 of the 22 are actually on the team. Some of them are on the injured list, of course, but it's, it's clowns coming out of a Volkswagen when, when the bullpen gets involved now. I mean, there's not enough chairs, literally. And that's what this weekend evolved or devolved into. 
But as for the game on Saturday, this was a 5-1 to one loss. And look, the, uh, the sun makes right field not an easy place to go to work at Fenway Park in the late afternoon hours. Uh, J.D. Martinez took that to new heights in the game on Saturday. The Yankees hit back-to-back doubles on plays that Mookie Betts probably would have made in what ended up being a four-run fourth inning. And that was a difference in this game. The day before, it was the Red Sox with a four-run fourth. This time, it was the Yankees with a four-run fourth. The sun was a factor for J.D. a couple times. It also gave us the now infamous J.D. Martinez right field boob grab. Uh, it won as a ground rule double, yet somehow it was J.D. who made it to second base. Thank you very much. He was just trying to brace himself against the wall, and, and somehow it turned into like a routine from the Naked Gun movies. Um, Google it. I, I don't need to describe it any further. But uh, anyway, J.D. Martinez is still having a really, really good summer. And you're talking about third in the American League in slugging percentage, fourth in OPS. Even though he's had a bad back, he's top 20 in plate appearances. So it's not like he's been uh, you know, parked on the injured list or something. And he's just, he's reliable. And three years, $60 million remaining on this contract, if he decides to keep it, I would think it would be wise to keep it. Uh, Nelson Cruz had been an all-star five of the last six years. He settled for a one-year $14 million contract this winter. Uh, Michael Brantley didn't get quite the contract that he was hoping for. You saw Edwin Encarnacion. He's finishing off a three-year $60 million contract. He signed when he was 34, coming off a big four-year run in Toronto, but he's, he's been traded twice, and the Mariners are paying off half his remaining salary right now. Chris Davis, the A's Chris Davis, uh, signed a two-year $33.5 million extension this season, and that was seen as a, a team-friendly deal, considering that Davis was 31, and, well, he's been averaging 44 home runs the last three seasons, which is the most of any player. He's had a horrible year this year. I mean, the A's wouldn't do that deal again. So I think J.D. Martinez opts to, to stay, but that's a, another conversation for another podcast. Also from Saturday, we should point out Xander Bogarts uh, to getting to 1,000 hits in his career. The first homer of his career had come on that exact same date back in 2013. So uh, six years later to the date, there's the milestone hit. Both those came against the Yankees, and this one came. It was cool. His mom was uh, involved in this one. It was his mom's birthday. So mom apparently in a series of texts before the game said, if you want to make this a memorable birthday for me, you'll get that thousandth hit. And and Xander's a good boy. He he went out and did that. But the Sox could not figure out Jay Happ. He tamed them completely. Six and a third innings of two-hit shutout ball, and this is a guy whose ERA coming in had been 5.3. The Red Sox dropping at that point to 20 and 26 against left-handed starters, 5 and 12 overall against the Yankees, which takes us to Sunday. This would be the Tanaka Porcello rematch. That did not go well in London. They combined for one inning and allowed 12 runs. Remember that? That was the six to six first inning. This one was uh, eight runs in eight innings. The two pitchers combined in a game where deuces were wild. If you looked at that scoreboard, the, the number of twos going up there. Last time I saw that many deuces, uh, Wimbledon? No, wait, I can do better. Last time I saw that many deuces, cleaning porta potties at an outdoor music festival? You want that one instead? Wh- whichever of those ones you like, I'm good. But the, the Sox basically got twoed to death on Sunday night. The Yankees getting exactly two runs in five different innings. The Red Sox had their two runs in two different innings. That would make a 10-4, good buddy. And uh, then a one-run eighth, thanks to a Mookie Betts home run. But, man, another slog of a Red Sox-Yankees game, about four hours. The Patriots game had kicked off in the second inning, was done 
by the eighth inning. And not a lot to see in the box score. I mean, unless you really like pitching and a number of pitchers, I guess is what I'm hinting at here. Eight pitchers, seven pitchers, eight pitchers used in this series by the Red Sox in three games. Devers had uh, two errors on one play late in the game. This was a rough game for him. He had three errors total. Could have been five, but Mitch Moreland saved him twice with, with nice picks at first. This was the first Sox three-error game since Julio Lugo in 2008. Uh, Mookie did have the home run, and since we were talking about J.D. Martinez and the thought of free agency approaching, does Mookie have some uh, emotional leverage over the Red Sox in his contract situation? Uh, you know, J.T. Real Muto with the Phillies uh, can, can make that claim. Freddie Freeman of the Braves can make that claim. George Springer of the Astros. I mean, he, he's about a week younger than Freddie Freeman. He'll turn 30 this winter. He's coming off the best year of his career. This is a really good year for Mookie Betts. I mean, a really good year for Mookie Betts. And it's dwarfed by the season he had a year ago when he was MVP. But, you know, it's weird. He was telling reporters that being that number two guy versus a number one guy, I mean, that, that messed with him a little bit. But as a leadoff hitter, and Devers has had this great time of it at number two. There's that number again. Mookie said, you know, he was prioritizing being the good leadoff hitter, just getting on base, seeing a whole lot of pitches, all that kind of thing, to help Devers. You know, the, the flow to the game says you're, you're supposed to work the count if you're the leadoff man. Well, lately, Mookie finally has gotten a little bit selfish. You know, no more of this self-sabotage. He's better when he's swinging early in counts. So he's basically said to hell with it. And these ambushes, these first pitch, second pitch attacks have been going really well for him. Here in September, when he swings and puts it in play, either first pitch or second pitch, he's 8 for 14. So I'm enjoying watching that. Didn't so much enjoy this game. Uh, it was a 10-5 to 5 final, making the Yankees 2-1 and one in the series with one more still to come on Monday night. Hey, I, I told you a little bit about the farm system uh, a few minutes ago. Lowell is down one nothing in that series to Brooklyn. That's too bad. Salem is done because they lost three games to two to the Blue Rocks of Wilmington. But I don't want to hear this stuff about the farm system being barren anymore. I mean, Michael Chavis came up, was not even supposed to be here. He had 18 home runs in 95 games, and we don't know if he's a flash in the pan yet or not. I mean, this could be Will Middlebrooks' 2012 for all we know. But Darwin's in Hernandez. They're the only member of the Portland Sea Dogs this year to actually make it to Fenway this season before September 1st. And yeah, you know, he had some walk issues early. He had five in one game against the Rangers way back when, but they seasoned him up in AAA. He's come back 43 strikeouts in 23 innings since coming back. Brian Mata, we hear about him, another of the promising pitchers in the system. We hear about Tanner Houck. Uh, Tristan Cassis was a first round draft pick out of high school. He was pushed down a low A Greenville this year, got off to a slow start, but he finished with a nice kick. Bobby Dahlbeck, of course, corner infielder. He's going to beat Cassis to the majors and had a big home run season, 32 of those. Uh, Jaron Duran hit 387 at Salem this year. He, uh, he forced his way all the way to double A, scuffled a bit at Portland, but you know this was not a guy you even expected to be at Portland this year. The guy that everybody was buzzing about back in spring training, I just want to leave you with this, just to show you that, that we don't always know what we're talking about and we can't trust our eyes in March. Remember when the flavor of the day was Durbin Feltman? He was supposed to be on the fast track to Fenway. Could he really open the year in that Red Sox bullpen? Wouldn't that be something? Well, he was in Portland all year, had a 5.26 ERA. 
So, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of take a breath on, on some guys that you think are going to be all that. But anyway, in a season that we thought was going to be all that, it is not officially over. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tell you that the, the sand is out of the hourglass here, but uh, it, it's getting real close. I mean, they, they really did need to take uh, at least two out of three in the Minnesota series. That didn't happen. They needed to take three out of four in this Yankee series. That's not going to happen. So uh, the, the doom and gloom are knocking on the door. I will concede that. But you got the one last shot at the Yankees on Monday night, and then things do get easier. They get a lot easier. You're going to see black and orange down the stretch of the Giants and the Orioles. Those are certainly winnable games. I know four in Tampa doesn't sound like a break, but, you know, they can go there and be spoiler, and they've already won a bunch of games in Tampa Bay this year, so that, that doesn't scare me much. They go to Toronto for three. They go to Texas for three. So, you know, they, they could finish up 15-5, and five down the stretch here and, and get themselves to 90 wins. The, the, the problem is, as we've said, 90 is just not going to do it this year. A lot of times, 90 gets you a wild card. This is not one of those years. Red Sox have the same record as the Cubs. I mean, they, they would be a wild card team if they were in the National League right now, but I, I don't think we can petition for that to happen. So let's take a breath. You Patriots fans can enjoy the fact that the, those guys won by 30 on Sunday. The Red Sox playing simultaneously, alas, lost by five. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you tuning in. We will talk to you again after the game on Monday night. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.